great. Today I'm starting a new series. The name of the series is Pressing On. Will you say that with me, Pressing On? Pressing on. Will you look at your neighbor and say, you might need to press in? <laughs> look at one more neighbor and say, you might need to press on. Today I want to talk to you about Press On. I'm going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to move. I felt God move mightily last gathering, just touching lives. And he wants to touch your life today. He wants to encourage you in this area of pressing on. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for your presence that you're here right now in this place. Father, I think that you want to encourage your church. I think that you want to renew our minds. You want to transform us from the inside out. And so, Lord, we ask that you send your word. And Father, you add to us. And our goal in life is to become more like you. Help us even this day, this moment, even as we dive into your most precious word, that you would help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. If I could put what I'm trying to, to attempt to do that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do in this sermon in the beginning of the series, if I could put it in a, in a, in a sentence, it would see, say something like this. A man called by God and with many tribulations, sufferings, persecutions, he chose not to give up, but to press on. The guy that I'm talking about today is Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. We're going to look at his life a little bit. It's going to be a little bit different today because I'm reading uh, quite a bit of scripture. I want you to see his life. I, I'm believing that God's going to give us a different perspective in the things that we go through in comparison to what Paul went through. After I've been studying on this, I've come to the conclusion that I have sometimes a really Christian whiny life. And I think that that's okay to come to the reality of getting a right perspective on our Christian's life in America right now. And I, I do hope that. I, I hope that God puts hope in you and a new perspective in this area of, of the things that we are faced with and that we go through. And that God, by his Holy Spirit, he wants to put a pressing on perseverance in each one of our lives. If you would stand with me, this is a, the three theme scriptures that I want to kind of base this series on. We're going to read it together today. It's Philippians 3. 12 through 14, and I want you to read it with me. Read it from your heart. Stir your faith today. We're going to begin reading it on three. Here we go. One, two, three. Now that I have already obtained or I've already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus brethren do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for which the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would you high-five your neighbor and say, pressing on. Pressing on, pressing on. Press on, press on, press on, press on, pressing on. Paul had not obtained, he, he had not been perfected, he had not apprehended, but one thing that he did was that he pressed on. 
Whatever you're going through in your life right now, this last week, last month, whatever season that you're in, I want to encourage you today. I am praying that God would do something so magnificent in our hearts in this area of pressing on. If you are coming out of some type of addiction, I want to encourage you. God wants you to press on, not, not to come to church and get some little fix. How many of you know that God, he wants to fix you, but Jesus is more than a fix. You come out of all kinds of addiction. It could be alcoholism. It could be uh, gambling. Uh, it could be sex addiction, food addiction, drug addiction. But he wants to do more than fix you. It's more than you coming to church and get in the presence of God and go, oh, that was good, and then go back of doing your life. God wants you to walk with him on a daily basis. He wants to build a foundation in your life, a foundation upon God's word to, to really be uh, grounded and rooted in God's word, more than a fix. Now, he is there is no high like the most high, but it's more than just a fix. If you're coming out of that lifestyle, I want to let you know, because if you come to church just to get a little fix, you know, that's, that's all you're going to experience. God, there's one day that you won't feel a fix. We walk by faith and not by fixes, right? And so though he wants to fix you, he wants to absolutely you to be grounded in a life of faith. Uh, as I begin this series, how many of you young people uh, went to summer camp this year? What was the, what was the theme of it? Beyond. Everyone say beyond. beyond. I want to let you know, young people, if you're going to go beyond where you are right now, there's going to be times where you're going to have to press on. That's all there is to it. You're going to be faced with things this year. I look this way because we have a, a youth section kind of set aside over here. But no matter where you're from, no matter how old you are, you're going to be faced with things in life. You go back to school, all of a sudden peer pressures, all of a sudden sexual immorality, all of a sudden sexual identity, different things. You are going to have to press on. We go through seasons. It may be 40 days like Jesus went through. It could be 40 years. I don't think God wants you to go through 40 years of a long season like them coming out of Egypt. But we do go through seasons, and there are times where, listen to me, you have got to have a pressing on spirit inside of you. How many of you went to man camp and, and was there? We talked about being led by the spirit. You're from man camp, just good, good, good. You're going to have opportunities to be led by the spirit, but you're going to be have way more opportunities to be led by the flesh. And there's times, temptations, whatever you may be faced with, work, relationship, you are going to have to press on. How many ladies we have in the house? Okay. You might paint your sin in pink or something and perfume it up a little bit, but we're all in the same boat, okay? You still have to, there'll be times where you're going to have to press on. Are you with me this morning? Tell your neighbor right now, press on. Listen to this definition of pressing on. Press on out of the scripture in the Greek, not the whole definition, just kind of the end of it. Listen to it real close. It says this, to make, to run. Or flee, put to flight, drive away, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing, to run after. What I did not re read in that definition of pressing on was some type of uh, reverse or backup or turnaround. No, there is a pressing on. In this world, I'm telling you, it's two steps 
forward and one steps backward. And when it comes to the enemy dealings in your life, he wants you to go three step backwards and one more step backwards. Are you with me today? God wants to put a pressing in to each and every one of our lives. And, and, and last night, me and Seth had a experience up here. We attempted to sing a song by Bob Dylan. And it was an experience. Because Seth got the giggles. We didn't practice enough. We practiced for about 30 seconds. And so my genius wife, when I, on the way home, she said, you know, very wise. What if you, what if, what if you look at maybe doing a video? And so right now, I want you to listen to one of my, my favorite songwriter singers who wrote at least three Christian albums that just off the hook. Bob Dylan, check this out, pressing on. If you're under 40 today, sometimes you just need some old school. How many of you were born after 1980? Oh, wow. Oh, my. Press it on. I love that guy can write and sing and play a harp. Listen, the pressing on that I'm talking about today, who wrote the scripture, beautiful scripture, is a guy named Paul. His name was Saul, and today I really want to read 
his conversion. Because if anybody could really speak to pressing on, even from the day that he was born again, it would have been this guy named Paul. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the conversion. It's going to take me just a couple of minutes. It's out of Acts, Acts 9, 3 through 19. If you want to look at it, I'm going to begin. It says this, and as he was approaching, approaching Damascus on this mission, and it wasn't a good mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city. You will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground. Now, if you have an encounter with Jesus and you have to pick yourself up off the ground, that's a serious encounter. Just note to self right there. It gets a little bit more, a little, little more different here too. So he picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. How many of you, when you got born again, you opened your eyes and you were blind? See what I'm saying? So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, did not eat or drink. Now, you go three days without eating, that's one thing. It's a whole nother level when you go three days without drinking. He's blind, just got knocked off his donkey or whatever. No food, no water. Man, his whole life is being changed. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Taurus, Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a, in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so that he can see again. And I love, I love Ananias' response, right? But Lord, he exclaimed, Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. I mean, he's the same guy that when they stoned Stephen, one of the seven who was wise and filled with the Spirit, Paul, his name was Saul at the time, just looked over the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. It says, and he was authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he, look at this, must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus 
who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight. Look, look, look. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. This guy's life is being rocked. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his strength. Then he got up and was baptized. Wow! Knocked off the horse, blind, no food, no drink, laid hands on, sight, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. And after he ate some of the food, he regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And this is the guy who in the opening scripture we read, Philippians 3, 12 through 14, from the very beginnings of his walk with Jesus, he knew what it meant to press in, to press on, endurance, persevering. Uh, here's a list out of one book, just the book of Acts. Here's a list of the sufferings and the challenges that Paul went through only in the book of Acts. I'm not going to give you the, the addresses. If you need them, you can contact the church. I'm just going to read them out, all of them, only in one book, the book of Acts. It says this. His life was threatened in Damascus. His life was threatened again in Jerusalem. Persecuted and ran out of Antioch to Pisidia. Faced possible stoning in uh, Iconium. Stoned and left for dead. Think about that. Stoned and left for dead in Lystra. Opposed and made the center of controversy. Uh, experienced the loss of his close friend and co-worker uh, Barnabas. Beaten with rods and imprisoned in Philippi. Cast out of Philippi. His life was threatened in Thessalonica, forced out of Berea, mocked in Athens, taken before the judgment seat in Corinth, opposed by silversmith in uh, Ephesus, plotted against by the Jews in Greece, apprehended by the mob in Jerusalem, arrested and detained by uh, Romans, barely escaped being scourged, uh, rescued and, uh, from the Sahedrin mob action, Assassination plot against him, two-year imprisonment in Caesarea, shipwrecked in the island of Malta, suffered a snake bite, first Roman imprisonment. All of this came from the guy that Bob Dylan, pressing on. That's just one book, just a book of Acts of what he was faced with, what he went through. In the year of 61 through 63, A.D., Paul was in Rome those days, and I want to let you know, how many of you think that Paul was there maybe sightseeing? How many of you ever been to Rome before? It's a beautiful place, a beautiful place to sightsee. Paul was not in Rome sightseeing. Paul was in Rome in prison during those years right there. Next to Jesus, Paul is the most influential Christian that's ever walked on the face of the earth. He conducted no less than at least five evangelistic journeys. The Bible is broken up into seven main courses, like the law, and the history, and uh, the gospels. And one of the main course is the epistles. There's 14 epistles. Guess who wrote 
all of the 14 epistles? Paul. Think about that for a minute. He wrote more of the Bible than Moses, more of the Bible than John. The impact that he has upon Christianity even today. And I want you to see why, how could he say, for what he went through, how could he say that he was going to keep pressing on? While he was in jail in Rome, he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Well, well come on. How many of you ever been in jail? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you, you'd be scaring our, our guests. <laughs> Jail's bad enough, but he's writing four letters, four epistles, four books of the Bible while he's sitting in jail. Actually, while he's sitting in jail, he wrote the theme scripture that is based on this series, pressing on, pressing on. I'm going to read some scriptures out of 2 Corinthians. It's actually five scriptures. Out of these five scriptures, it covers 21, say that with me, 21 years. It covers 21 years of the challenges that he was faced with. Now, it's believed that his ministry was 32 years. This doesn't even cover 32 years. This covers 21 years, absent the other 11 years of what took place in his life. And in 21 years, we're going to read five scriptures, and you're going to see some of the things that he went through. We're going to read them, and then for us to fill them, we're going to go back through them just for a moment, because you can read your devotions and go, wow, okay, shipwrecked, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A stone, yeah, he must have been over in Washington, smoke a little weed, you know. None of those things. What he actually went through, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. I love Washington, used to live there, just poking fun a little bit. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I've been in the deep. Journeys often and perils of walk. Perils means in kind of like deep doo-doo. Serious trouble. In perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren. Can you tell that he went through some trouble? In weariness, in weariness and toll, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside, and you're thinking, dude, that's enough right there. He, and then he says, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily? I love this last four or five words, six words. My deep concern for all the churches. Paul loved 
the church. Paul laid his life down for Jesus and the church. If you know anybody that speaks evil of the church, if you speak evil of the church, I would say just please stop it for a man for what he went through for the church. Those are what he went through. 21 years, not covering the full 32 years. Now let's break it down because you can read through that and go, well, that's some cool history, J.O., but first one, say this with me, labors. The sufferings of Paul in laboring for advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ is unparalleled alone with anybody else that's ever served. This guy labored night and day, 32 years in places that the gospel had never been. It was because of of a lady who took it into Europe because of Paul and just the areas that he, he labored day and night for the gospel of Jesus Christ. At least five evangelistic uh, um, uh, 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 ministerial trips that he took. And I'm not talking about on 747s and buses. And I'm talking about this guy, uh, ships and walk and donkeys and horse. However he could get around, he labored. In stripes above measure. What does that mean? Probably heathen striping him on his back, not the Jews, because he, he talks about the Jewish punishment in just a few minutes. The Jews was determined by the book of Deuteronomy. 39, 40 stripes minus one. If a Jew was to beat you more than 40 stripes, then that person would also be in trouble. But he's not talking about that. He's saying in stripes, everyone say above, above measure. I don't even know how many stripes this was. Heathen, heathen beatings above measure, above probably what the Jews ever did to him. He was beat, beat, beat uh, above measure. He did this not because he was drug running, not because he was uh, sex slaving because he was preaching the gospel because he was not a dope dealer he was a hope dealer he's preaching he's writing the the bible and he, above measure he's beaten in prisons actually he writes like i said the book of philippians in prison and it's not like he's occasionally in prison. This guy is in prison often. And then it says in deaths, often face death. I actually looked that up. I was like, man, is it just like occasionally? No, it's way more than occasionally. He was faced with death continually. Okay. This is one of the guys, one of the forefathers, the forerunners of our faith that we owe a lot to for where we are even today. Then it says this, above the other stripings that he got, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, for the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 40 stripes, let's do, do a simple calculation. 40 stripes, how many times? 
Five times, five times 40, 200, right? Minus one, 195 stripes that he received. Above the heathen, uh, uh, above the striping above measure, according to Deuteronomy, he was beating, beaten 195 times. He would have his shirt shredded off of him. He would be lowered onto a pillar and beat with this scourging type of throng uh, uh, piece of equipment. It had three like pieces of leather on it, and he was beaten between his shoulder blades 195 times. And we'd be like, uh... You're taking too long at Starbucks. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I felt real weeny, whiny Christian studying Paul. I think it's really doing, hopefully, a mind transformation inside of me of giving me a perspective of what he went through for us, for the church. I'm not even talking about what Jesus went through. I'm talking about a chosen vessel of God who what he went through for me and you. This type of punishment, I mean, he was stripped from here to the waist and just beat between his shoulders. And then you would think, wow, beaten above measure with kind of like a heathen beaten and then beat 190. You go, wow, what, what, what can this guy go through? And then look at this. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. One of those is a recording in Acts. You probably heard the story before. I went back and read the story this week because I was like, he was beaten with rods at that time? Yes, it was rods. Paul and Silas, they were on uh, their way to pray, and there was a, 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 a fortune teller young lady that would walk behind them or however it looked, and she would say, these are men of the most high God. These are men of the most high God. How many of you know that something can be true and still be very weird? <laughs> she was saying something that was totally true. They are men of the most high God. But you say that with the wrong spirit. These are men of the most high God totally bugged Paul. Paul turned around, cast a demon out of her. The owners of her didn't like it because she brought a lot of money to them, right? And so they made this uproar. They take Paul and Silas. They beat them with rods. By the way, they beat Paul illegally. And you think, okay, rod beating's enough. No, we're going to throw you in jail. You think that's enough? Nope. We're going to throw you in the inner prison, maximum security. Here you are, beat to a pulp, probably cold, wet, ripped down, and now your you're, you're, you're feet's in stocks. Now you're not just in jail, you're in inner prison, and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to be in inner prison, probably whining. Like, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? If you love me, God, how could you do this? Are you with me? You know what Paul and Silas did? Oh, we, we, we got to get a worship team going right here. <laughs> let, let, hey, 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 pray. Let, let's pray. You pray, and you, you, you Silas, you pray, and then I'm going to work. We're going to praise, and we're going to worship. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fill this inner prison with prayers, 
and with worship. And they did. I tell you what, there's something that follows persecution. Feel me on this. You, you want to know what I see follows persecution? The powerful move of God. You persecuted in life, get ready for God to move through you. All of a sudden, they begin to sing and they begin to worship. And the foundation, the, the jails, what's, what's going on here? What's going on? Ooh, is that going to mess up any electronical things? <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> the foundation of the prison was shaken. They're just down there worshiping and praying in stocks. And then the doors of the prisons open and everyone is set free, but no one leaves. The jailer's like, I'm done. And he goes to to commit suicide. And Paul and Silas stop and say, hey, 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 we're all here. The guy's like, okay, what must I do to be saved? The dude gets born again. In the middle of the night, his family gets water baptized. They try to take Paul out quietly. They're just like, hey, hey, Jason, just, we, we done made a mistake with you, bro. We done beat the snot out of you. Just, just go ahead and leave. Just leave Africa quietly. And he's like, no, I will not leave quiet. How many times do we leave quiet when God wants us to speak up? That was just one rod beating that is in the book of Acts. It's beaten with rods three times. That looks good, son. Thank you. (laughs) Sometimes with rod beating, it would even end up in people's death. You can imagine. Then it says, once I was stoned. Think about that just for just a minute. Think about a rock crushing you in your head. Like, wow. He was stoned. And I think one time left for dead. This stoning was usually a Jewish mode of punishing for blasphemy. So they thought thought he was blasphemous. And he was a chosen vessel of God. And then, three times, he was shipwrecked. How many of you have ever been shipwrecked before? It must be a Saturday night thing. Like, last night, there was like three people who had been shipwrecked. I'm like, really? (laughs) Really? You've been shipwrecked? And we're not talking about a ship like, you know, GPS and 911 and Mayday, Mayday. I mean, he was shipwrecked three times. And then, a night and day I have been in the deep. What was that like? Perhaps Paul on one of those shipwrecks, he's in the middle of the sea. I'm sure he doesn't have a life jacket on, people. And maybe he grabs a piece of timber or lays on a board or grabs a log. And he's out there all night long in the deep just trying to survive and then journeys often traveled traveling was difficult i mean he didn't call up uh uh 
you know, a taxi, a bus, the tube, any of those things. I mean, it was walking, it was however he could get around. In perils of water, not just seas, but the treachery of crossing rivers and streams and no bridges and everything that he was faced with, torrents and rivers. And then in perils of robbers, the places that he was at was infested, infested with robbers. And then look at this one. In perils of my own countrymen. What's that about? The Jews, everywhere that he went, stirred up opposition because, man, they didn't want this guy to convert. And they just tried to make his life miserable. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through 26 through 28 and all those perils. I will read it again in journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. Listen to this. In perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toll, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You're like, dude. And this is... This doesn't cover the 11 last years of his life, just 21. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. He's laying his life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the church and for Jesus Christ. And I say all of this because this guy is the one that echoes his word today, press on. What, what, what are you going through today? What, 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 is, what persecution may you be faced with? People have told me they're persecuted, and they, and they may well be, but I, I just haven't never met anyone persecuted like this guy. And, and he writes, press on. I forget the past, and I do this. I press on to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let me close with reading the scripture. Not that I've already obtained or am I already perfected, but I press on. What do you need to press on, press through today? Where are you about to give up? About to give up on your marriage? You know what I say to you? Press on. You got a weird diagnosis? Let me tell you right now, you know what you are to do? You are to press on. You're being persecuted in some form or fashion, falsely accused. You want to tell you what to do? You want to echo, can I echo what Paul said? Press on. You challenged in some class or some place at work, some, some, some challenge with a relational challenge, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you today, church, press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You struggling with anxiety, maybe panic or depression? I got news for you. I've been there. One of the greatest things that you can do is press on. Maybe you're dealing with a, a troubled child. Press on. 
Maybe it is a, a tribulation, a trouble that you're going, a season. Uh, somebody asked me one time, how long is a season? I go, I don't know. I don't know how long a season is. But I do know this, whatever season you're in, 40 days or 40 years, come on, press on. Press on. If he can do it, you can do it. If he can do what he went through, all that he went through, 195 stripes on his back. Come on, somebody. Three wrecks. Come on. Hit, beat with stone. Come on. Rods three times. Come on. You can press on. You can press on. You can press on. Jail, why should I press on? Why shouldn't I just commit suicide? First of all, suicide, listen to me, young people. It's not romantic. It's absolutely satanic. How many know that the devil comes as an angel of light? I was listening to this minister this, this week, uh, and it was just a, an, an amazing word. And he was talking about this angel of light. This guy's name is Chris Valentine. And he was talking about how the devil comes as an angel of light. And what else does he do? He comes to absolutely copy you. He comes in, his voice is like yours. He comes in and says, hey, you might as well take your life. No one's going to miss you. What do you, what do you have to offer? You, you, don't have a, you don't have no family. I'm telling you, he comes as an angel of light and is absolutely, listen to me today, is absolutely satanic. Why do I know that? Because the devil and hell is all about hopelessness. If you're feeling hopeless today, I want to tell you it's from hell. Well, J.L., you don't know my family. Well, you don't know what I went through. You don't know how I was raised. Well, you don't know how I was raised. Some of you do. Here's my point. You each have a choice at this point to choose life or death. And I say, press on. Press on, press on, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. Come on, Bob Dylan, press on. Yeah. 